0: Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. What's up Reds fans? Welcome into the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's show. We've got an interesting debate to introduce to you that I saw on Twitter thanks to Mark Sheldon from MLB.com. Also want to talk about a great article I saw in the Enquirer from Bobby Nightingale about restarting Major League Baseball and Hopefully, you've enjoyed your MLB network programming of the day centered around Arbor Pool Holes. They did a nice job of not showing any of the times that Arbor Pool Holes hit like a million home runs off Red's pitching, so that's kind of fun. But anyway, today's episode, and every episode for the month of May, is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a great-tasting protein bar that's made by a health-conscious company, then look no further than Built Built Bar. We'll jump into today's topics here in just a minute. Also wanted to point out, don't know if you guys have been following this or not, brought to you by DraftKings is the dream bracket uh, tournament thing that they had. They compiled rosters for every Major League franchise, including the 25 and under and Negro Leagues, the best of the best of each team and uh, league and 25 unders, all that good stuff. And they put them in a bracket and they put everybody against each other, and the Reds are in the quote-unquote championship game. They're playing off against the best of the best from the New York Yankees. The Reds advancing after a six-game win over the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Yankees beat out the Red Sox. So, hypothetically, the Reds could be the hypothetical best team ever, hypothetically. Don't know if I mentioned that part or not. Anyway, let's jump into today's debate. I'm looking at a tweet from Mark Sheldon. It was a poll, and Major League Baseball is going through each and every franchise and saying, all right, who is the best player at each position for the franchise? And we've gone through pretty much all of the obvious ones with the Reds, second base, catcher, all that good stuff, first base. Now we are looking at the center field spot, which – When you look back through the history of the Reds, it's not a foregone conclusion who the best center fielder in the history of the franchise is. However, this poll would make you believe otherwise. The four options that Mark tweeted out are Gus Bell, Eric Davis, Veda Pinson, and Ed Roush. And sure enough, as of right now, I'm looking at this, it's got a little over two days left in the poll. But as of right now, over 1,800 people have voted, and Eric Davis is ahead by 81% of the vote. That's right, 81%. He is not the best center fielder in Reds history. Now, now, don't get me wrong. He is the, talented, the most talented, most athletic, but as far as production concerns, as far as his career goes, the best center fielder in Reds history was none other than Ed Roush, Now, I think recency bias really dictates a lot of this poll because people have seen Eric Davis play. Not a lot of people have seen Veda Pinson play. I venture to say no one alive today in Reds country has watched Ed Roush play, so you really got to rely on stats and reading about him and stuff like that. But when you look at his stats, they speak for themselves. His career as a Red, in 12 years, he had a 135 OPS+, plus a 3 Thirty-one, batting average. His career batting average, in fact, was three twenty-three. For all of the other, he also played for the Giants for a little bit, the New York Giants, the White Sox for a tiny little bit, and then he came over to the Reds. He had an interesting story. I'm not going to get into all that. I actually had a Throwback Thursday podcast uh, last year. If you want to go back and look through the archives of the podcast and find that for more details about Ed Roush, but he had an awesome story. But at the same token, he played at the end of the dead ball era leading into the 20s where everything was about Babe Ruth and how many home runs you could hit. He himself didn't really do that. He didn't hit a ton of home runs. And in fact, when you compare Eric Davis and Ed Roush, you'll see that Eric Davis hit a whole lot more long balls than did Mr. Roush. However, Ed Roush was a different kind of hitter. He believed in the whole you know, placement hitting. And for three years, now 1918 he was second, but for three years he was the top of the top when it came to batting average. 341 in 1917 to lead the league, and 321 in 1919, the year that he and the Reds won the World Series over the Chicago White Sox and the wonderful Black Sox Candle. And in the year 1918, when he came in second, He hit 333. This was just a back in the day and age when you slap hit, basically, because the dead ball era, there weren't a lot of great hitting statistics. Not a ton of people hit a lot of home runs back then. But he, on the other hand, maintained that philosophy even into the 20s. Whenever you saw guys like Babe Ruth emerge and hitting tons and tons of home runs, the most home runs that Ed Roush ever hit in one year was eight in 1925, and also in 1929 as a New York Giant. So you're probably thinking to yourself, why is he the best center fielder ever? It's because he always maintained that level of consistency with his hitting. And interestingly enough, according to Sabre.org, looking back at Ed Roush's career, the dude used a 48-ounce bat. And according to him, he really only took half a swing. Because according to Ed Roush, he used the weight of the bat to give the power behind the ball. Everything else he picked where he wanted to put it. He found where the defenders weren't, and he dropped the ball right in there for a hit. He did have a decent amount of doubles and triples throughout his career. Just as a red, in 12 years, he hit 260 doubles and 152 triples. It's not as if he was literally just, there, yeah, give me the first base and I'm done. No, he he had plenty of hits, 1,784 hits as a red in 12 years. And he scored 815 runs. He is my pick for the best center fielder in Reds history. And before you say it, he wasn't just a one-trick pony. He played defense as well. Back in his day, compared very favorably, according to most baseball writers and people who watched the game back then, to Tris Speaker. Some of you who know your baseball history know who that is. He's considered probably the best Cleveland Indian that there ever was, but he was compared very favorably, Ed Roush was. So he's not exactly just a guy with a bat. He was also a dude with the glove in center field known most notably for being able to pick out where the ball was going to land. He had great ball tracking ability, which is obviously a very key factor in being a good center fielder. So he's my pick. When I'm looking at it, he is the best center fielder in Reds history, and when you look at the poll, that's not the case. In fact, Veda Pinson is getting more votes than Ed Roush is, and I, again, I think that's all due to recency bias. Here coming up, we're going to talk about this article that Bobby Nightingale had in the Enquirer looking at some ideas for restarting baseball. I thought he had some good thoughts on that. We're going to dive into that, but first I wanted to mention our sponsor, Built Bar. Built Bar is sponsoring the month of May for the Locked On Reds podcast, and they kick But when it comes to great tasting protein bars, look, I know you probably have looked around before, especially if you're like me and you like to take some nice long walks through the forest. I like to call it hiking. I don't know if it's actually really hiking because, you know, I'm me. But when it comes to a good hike, you need a good snack. Look no further with Built Bar. Look, they've got great tasting flavors like peanut butter, peanut butter chocolate, German chocolate cake, banana nut bread, and If you have an allergy to nuts or something like that, they also have a nut-free facility that produces great tasting flavors like mint chocolate cream, double chocolate mousse, banana chocolate, black cherry chocolate cream, all kinds of great stuff there. You find it all at BuiltBar.com. And through the Locked On Reds podcast, you can get $10 off your first order. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Go to BuiltBar.com, place your order, and enter the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $10 off your first order. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Postmates. Postmates, you just download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Something about this Locked On uh, promo code really gets you a lot of good stuff today. But download the Postmates app and enter that promo code. You'll get free delivery for your first seven days of up to $100, and you don't even have to have a minimum order amount. You just find your favorite restaurant, whether it be Skyline, or maybe you want some Jersey Mike's, you want a sandwich, maybe you want just some Applebee's, get some wings from Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that. Check out Postmates. Download the app, enter a promo code, locked on. For free delivery for your first seven days. Anytime you're craving something, anytime you're hungry, whenever you need it, whatever you need, Post made it. About three days ago, Bobby Nightingale posted his article on Cincinnati.com about Major League Baseball restarting the season and things like that, but it's a column and it's some ideas that he has for the season because most of the ideas that we've seen and pretty much any idea that they're going to have is going to involve limiting travel so that you're limiting exposure across the country and things like that. So whatever it is, if they're being sequestered in one, two, three, or they get to play at home, they're still going to be limiting travel. That's why they have to reorganize the divisions and all that good stuff. With that comes some interesting ideas. His first one really jumps out at me because that is the biggest question. When you're talking about reorganizing geographically instead of based on division or league or something like that, you run into the problem of, well, the American League teams have this guy called the designated hitter that the National League doesn't yet have that ability to use, unless, of course, they go to an American League ballpark. I like Bobby's idea here. I I agree with this idea. And the first time I read it I wasn't so sure about it, but hear me out on this. I like I like Bobby's idea here about a hybrid designated hitter. The designated hitter is in the game as long as the starting pitcher is in the game. So if you have a starter go 5 innings, then your designated hitter Lasts five innings. And then once you have to bring in a relief pitcher, he officially takes the spot in the lineup of the designated hitter, which still leaves lots of posturing and strategy left to be done by each individual manager. During the end of the game, and it, and it incentivizes having your pitcher, your starter, pitch longer. And of course, if you want to use an opener, you basically punt the idea of using a designated hitter. I think it's a very interesting idea, something that will add to the competitiveness of the games. Also, something along the line of managerial strategy and things like that, Bobby proposes getting rid of manager challenges. Look, I get it. We want the call to be correct on the field, but the problem with that is it has added so much time to every game. Think about every single call that looks even borderline. We all stop for a minute and look at the dugout of the team that stands to benefit from challenging that play. So we're standing there, we're waiting, and then they give the signal, yeah, okay, no, we don't want to challenge it. Or, even worse, in plays where a guy, like, barely slips off the bag or something like that, he's sliding into second base, his foot comes off for a brief moment, and then he gets it back on. Well, replay reviews that he is out because he took his foot off the bag and the second baseman left the tag down. But is that really what we got replay for? Because if that's the case, that's annoying. And I like the idea of getting rid of manager challenges, leave it all in the umpire's hands. Like, you know what? We weren't sure about that. We're going to review it and get the call right. I'm okay with that. It'll speed up the game. Good stuff there. One thing that I think has been kind of a universal idea, but Bobby also endorses in his article, talking about seven-inning doubleheaders, something that they do in college if they have a doubleheader. Both games are seven innings instead of nine innings. That way you can get more games in. And then also kind of tweaking the extra innings format. One thing that's interesting, and I agree with his take on this, is that baseball is the only sport that whenever the game goes into overtime, people leave. People are like, we don't know how long this is going to take. We don't want to be sitting here until the 15th inning or the 16th inning or the 17th inning, you know, if it goes that far. They don't want to sit through all that. So let's speed up overtime by putting that runner on second base like they were talking about. The guy who batted the last inning gets to go on second base to start, let's say, the 11th. Maybe the 10th inning you play as normal, and then once you get to the 11th inning, it's kind of like. Double overtime in college football where everybody has to go for two points. Starting in the 11th inning, you start out a runner on second base. And maybe some of these ideas are just for this year, but especially like looking at the hybrid DH, I think that would be an interesting rule, an interesting compromise. Because if we're realistic, they're never getting rid of the DH. Now that it's here, if you get rid of the DH, you get rid of some jobs. You get rid of some players' roster spots because they're not really – Defensively sound. And the reason that they're on the ball club is the hit. And I would love to have a designated hitter here in like a year or two for Joey Votto so that he could remain a red for the rest of his contract and still be a pretty viable part of the roster. But on the other end of the spectrum, I can see where having the DH kind of compromises what the game was. Pitchers as a whole hit a buck 28 last year. No one's advocating that you know we want to see more pitchers bat. And I get it. The Reds have the luxury of Michael Lorenzen. Nobody else has that many luxuries, if any, on their roster. So you get rid of the whole idea of, well, we're going to have this starting pitcher bat two or three times a game. And it's going to be completely worthless unless, of course, there's a runner on first base that he can bunt over. Otherwise, people can just get up and go get their beer refilled while he's at the plate. No, no, no. Let's get rid of that idea. Do the hybrid DH. I kind of like that idea because he even points it out. Look, Whenever the PBA comes up here in a year, right before 2022, one of the things that's probably almost for certain going to be in that new bargaining agreement is that they will have a universal designated hitter maybe they try out this hybrid thing and they find out that that's a pretty good way to go. I think it'd be an interesting compromise. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Give me your thoughts. Do you think I'm wrong about Eric Davis not being the best center fielder in Reds history and the fact that it's Ed Roush? Do you think these ideas that Bobby Nightingale proposed that I kind of agree with, do you think, you know, what do you got on that? Let me know. Locked on Reds line at 513-549-0159. Also on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and, The show at Locked on Reds. That's going to do it for today. I just uh, had a couple of fun things to think about there between getting baseball restarted and Ed Rouse. Just looking back, I feel like we overlook players from way back history because, well, it's way back, and we're not thinking that far back. Tomorrow, make sure you tune in. I'm going to be looking at the KBO, the Korean Baseball League that is starting up tonight, the very first game at 1 a.m., so long as you're listening to this podcast on Monday night. If you're listening to it on Tuesday, then stay tuned for the next episode of the Locked on Reds podcast. I'm going to be breaking it down. It's the NC Dinos versus the Samsung Lions with Carl Ravitch and Eduardo Perez on the call. We'll be talking about that on the next episode of the Locked On Reds podcast and later this week, Stephen Offenbaker will join me. We'll be talking about the catcher position, evaluating how Tucker and Kurt Casale looked last season and what we can expect from them Whenever we get baseball back, that's going to be it though for the Locked On Reds podcast brought to you by built bar. Make sure you guys check out builtbar.com and enter promo code locked on for $10 off your first order of the best tasting protein bars on the market. That'll do it for us. Now tell your smart device to play locked on major league baseball. We'll see you guys tomorrow.